Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm just a little tired. Yeah, me too. I'm always kind of tired. I feel like an old lady most of the time. You're not old. I feel old. You're not. Don't let the white eyes fool anybody. You're definitely not old. Oh, thanks. White eyes, white hair. Uh, Yeah. Um, (laughs) So where did you grow up? Um, I grew, I was born in Atlantic City, New Jersey. I grew up in Galloway Township, New Jersey for at least since I was three. So basically my whole life. So your whole life you've been in Jersey? Mm Mm-hmm. Have you ever moved anywhere outside of there? I have not. I mean, I've traveled and I was in a bus for like an, an amount of three months total, not like, you know, in a row, but I've kind of, I basically have lived in Galloway my entire life. Okay. Is it like kind of a chill area or more conservative? Um, it's a little bit of everything. Um, there's some conservative, there's some, it's a little chill. There's, it's a little ghetto. It's a little bit of everything. That's funny. I hate to say the word ghetto. I don't want to be rude, but you know, there are some parts. Well, it is what it is, man. Like I live in a nicer area, but if you walk two streets that way, it's like super hood. So yeah. No judgments here, buddy. <laughs> it's really, um, you know, there's towns that are hood. There's towns that are, you know, very conservative. It's a little bit of everything. One town is a little more in the blue. It really, we're mostly a blue state. It's just, there's definitely some conservative um, areas in Jersey, especially right. in Northern, especially in Northern Jersey. There's a lot of conservative. Sounds PA is also really conservative apparently, but that's, that's different. Hmm. So you have been drumming for how long? Uh, how long? I mean, I got a drum kit since I was a baby. My mom bought me one as a birthday present. My grandparents, when my mom would tell me all the time, they literally wanted to kill her for getting me one. And then I guess the rest is history. I started playing drums in the fourth grade. And here I am now, 27, still trying to be a musician. And these really hard times that it's really hard to be a musician. Yeah. Shit's been fucking rough for everybody. Have you been, how have you been handling the whole pandemic situation? Um, I honestly, this year, considering the last year was just, it felt like such a waste of time besides maybe besides like the mental aspect of learning more about myself and really reflecting on my life as a whole. Um, I re this year, I really want to start getting things done. Things are really starting to open up. Um, I've been really trying to buckle down with, you know, I've been listening to more bands that have been finally influencing me to really play out again. Mm -hmm. Um, just before this call, I was practicing on stuff for my hands. And then after the call, I'm going to continue practicing and then go to bed because I've just been I feel like this week as a whole, I've just been working nonstop. It's it's work, going to the gym, being on my drum kit, going to bed. Yeah. I haven't really had time to play video games. I've just been kind of really working harder the, um, this past week. And I'm just, fe- I'm feeling like a workaholic lately. Yeah. That's funny that you say that. I kind of do too. I feel like all I do is go to work and then I come home and I work on this. And then, I don't know, it's time for bed already somehow. So yeah like the moment I'm done I'm just like I don't even want to like watch a movie or something or I just want to go to bed the last movie I watched was Event Horizon again which is basically Hellraiser in space right I've never seen it 
Um, it's basically Hellraiser in space. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I might just have to check it out then because Hellraiser is like my favorite horror movie. Nah, Hellraiser is a classic, man. It is a classic. I, so I you, it. sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I actually have the puzzle box in my room somewhere. I've always wanted one of those. I, I forgot where, I think this was before the pandemic, someone was selling them. Um, it's not the real thing. I would be dead by now, by the way. Um, but um, it was some person that was sculpting and he had like a custom made one. I was like, oh, well, I guess I can open hell's uh, gift. That's pretty cool. Open the gates of hell, man. Um, so when did you start drumming for Tanger Cavalry? All right, the timeline, I 2016. It's either 2015 or 2016. It was January. Um, uh, where did I? Okay, I remember the story now. I'm just trying to pick pick it all back up. Um, my buddy Mitch, who I've met at numerous shows, you know, I think because it was a folk metal show, I met him at a folk. I met him at um, folk metal shows in New York. Um, at the time, New York had a pretty big folk metal scene going around. You know, everyone was going out to Porpiclani, Tear um moon sorrow that the one time they came by um any of the really big like folk metal bands that were coming around were um i i was at their shows because my girlfriend at the time was really big into folk metal so it was you know obviously when i'm a little you know i think around that time when i was dating her i was in my early 20s so obviously that was around the time i was really experimenting with different music and Later, I'd be more like I'd get into death metal. I'd get into black metal. I get into really everything at this point. Um, but folk metal, you know, I have a soft spot because it's fun. The shows are fun. People are just getting drunk and dancing. Yeah, you know, like, oh, it's pretty cool. So I was hanging around shows like that. And I remember someone I was talking to because we met at a bar and we became friends. She brought up the name Tanger Calvary. And I was like, wow, Chinese folk, Chinese folk metal. And I've heard the name before I was told about them, like told about they needed a drummer. And then my friend Mitch, who I met throughout these shows, you know, he was like, hey, man, um, I know this band that's looking for a drummer. And again, I kept hearing about this band because they played Carnegie Hall and what metal band has played Carnegie Hall before? Like there's, there's the, they're the only metal band that's ever played Carnegie Hall, I think. And or at the time, I think maybe the Who might have played or something. But I, he told me about them. Um, I messaged Nature like, "Hey, um, drummer, looking for, looking for this gig. I want to audition." Um, I, he came out to one of my shows that I was performing in another band with. We talked for a bit. I think he really dug um, my style of drumming, and the rest is history. I tried out, and then I took him to Duff's for the first time in New York. It was the first time he went to Duff's, and I took him. So, and then the rest is history. I was in the band for a year, practically. Did you guys tour at all? Um, we did three U.S. tours together. I at least did three. The last U.S. tour they did, I was not a part of the band. I had left by that time for, for personal reasons. And um, you guys never, didn't you say something about almost playing the, uh, the Midgard's Blot? however you say it. they did um again right before you know right after i left that's a fest they played and they played that they played Bakken of that um 2016 i want to say they played yeah 
the Emperor played that year. They were doing the Welkin at uh, dusk. I think okay. it's, it's an entirety. Uh, Vakken, they played France. They played midst that festival. I really want to go <laughs> to that one day. Yeah, me too, man. That's like my one of my life. That's, uh, that's a cool fest. I've had some friends that have gone to that. And it really is unfortunate that I didn't get to play that at the time. But yeah, that sucks. In a way, you know, it kind of works out. Um, a little bit of a personal thing was that, you know, I was injuring my knee at the time because I was doing an improper technique. So I really would have tweaked my knee even worse if I had done those shows. Hmm. Granted, that's not the full reason why I left, but thinking about it now and thinking about where I am now, I um, just, my knee was really messed up bad and it kind of worked out in that regard. Have you played in any, in any other events? Um, I played in a couple, I mean, some of them, you know, were more local than Tanger Calvary, but, you know, Tanger Calvary was the biggest band I was in or I've been in at the time, mm-hmm. but I have played in other bands. I've played a ton of live shows. Man, I really miss live shows. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. This pandemic fucking sucks. I'm so over it. It's weird because at one level, I'm like, yeah, I really want to see a show again. But at the same time, I just really want to play shows. And I've been craving that feeling for a while now. Yeah. Are you going to be jamming with anyone? Like after I'm all this is planning over? soon. I'm planning very soon to really just start um, jamming out. I was actually just talking to a buddy of mine. He plays in a band called Nomas. And we were talking about the vaccine. We actually both got the vaccine. And we were just talking. I was like, hey, you know, I'm a drummer and I'm going to really start looking for fans soon. You know, can you hook me up? And he's like, yeah, totally. So I really, I'm really getting to that point where um, I don't really want to just keep working, you know, a 12 to five job and just be like fucking satisfied with that. Uh, I think this pandemic has told me more than enough that, you know, we don't really matter in the system. Just do what you want to do, do what you do, what you feel like you need to do live. Um, That's, that's just huge on me in general, but this pandemic has just opened my eyes on that 10 times more. Like I thought about quitting. I've thought about quitting many times. And then, with this whole year, I'm just like, man, that would just be what they want. I got to prove it to myself that I can do it. So hopefully within the next few months, I can really start talking to artists and getting to that point again, at least to just start playing shows and put out music. Cause that's just what I live for. Yeah. What's your, uh, your favorite type of music to play? Well, if you didn't, if you, if this is a metal podcast, right? Yeah, well, obviously, which <laughs> subgenre of metal <laughs> uh, is your favorite? <laughs> there's so many. You know, I like a lot of it. Um, I tend to follow more death metal more, but I will admit some of the some bands that are in the traditional heavy metal style. There's a band called Eternal Champion. They just put out a record last, I think, November. And I'm just like, man, I would love a fucking band like that, too or black metal, I would honestly do black metal if it's not NSPM related. I would never, ever go that far. Not all black metal is racist, damn it. <laughs> I'm not saying all of it is. It's just... Actually, like, you we've, know, gone, we've gone really far. Most of have. us are cool. Listen, I just watched Lords of Chaos the other day, and oh, that God. actually made me laugh so hard because that there's... Was, it, it made me laugh because there are people like that and I don't want to associate with anybody like that. 
I just can't believe, you know, I, I mean, they were kids. They were kids, huh. you know? Yeah, they were all kids and they made Varg and Euronymous like this weird love story, like this obsessive, like. Oh God, I know. It was so fucking terrible. It was I, weird. It, like, was, it was, sorry. Go on, go on. <laughs> no, you, you go, you go. It was just weird because they made the whole Varg and Euronymous thing feel like this relationship and and Varg was just like this jealous like kid who wanted to just be like oh well you know you're not gonna do what you say I'll just fucking do it and then meanwhile he becomes this like Nazi and this figurehead of like the right-wing metal movement granted I'm pretty positive a lot of that was like you know a lot of that was um overdone for a reason but it's just kind of crazy that that's how people became or were at the time right and it's it's an interesting movie i i enjoyed it for what it was but it just it made me laugh at the irony but i i i do enjoy black metal there was a band i was listening to yesterday while i was at the gym they're called hava havu kun I can't right. pronounce them. They're from Finland. They're incredible. And I, I want to just write stuff like that too. My options are open, but I, I tend to fall into death metal more these days. I'm wearing a suffocation shirt for Christ's sake. <laughs> Who's your favorite death metal band? Oh, that's hard. Um, that's hard. Who's one of your favorite death metal bands? Then I can just easily say death. Yeah. Oh, I, can, me too. I can easily say that one. What's your favorite um, album? That's hard. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I can't pick either. I'm asking you these questions. I'm that's, like, oh, I don't know. What would I pick? That's hard. That's a hard one because uh, there's they a lot of them influence me in different ways. Yeah. I that's mean, their, tough. their progression was just so fucking gigantic, you know? I've been feeling more better. symbolic some days, to be honest. Some days I've just been feeling more symbolic. Some days I'll just go to human. I'll go to leprosy. I'll go to Scream Bloody Gore. Like it's all over the place with that band. They're all pretty great. If I'm I also to... sorry. It's okay. I was just gonna say mine. If I had to pick one, it would be The Sound of Perseverance. That's also another good one. They're all good. Um, yeah. Morbid Angels just another one I've been really listening to heavy too lately. Nice. So yeah, a lot of that stuff is really stuff I listen to these days. And then the sci-fi stuff. I, I do enjoy a lot of the sci-fi, like space death metal too. So like what? Blood Incantation, um, Tomb Mold, although that's more Bloodborne Dark Souls kind of death metal. There, there are a lot of those bands. The new a lot of the newer bands I really enjoy too, but that's just me talking. Yeah. Well, that's you know, this is a podcast. It's gonna be about you talking. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about your friend Nature from Tenger Cavalry? He was the singer, right? He was the vocalist, vocalist, um, main songwriter, um, basically the main guy. I mean, if you think in Chinese folk metal, you're going to look for an Asian guy in the cover. Right. And uh, he would be the brainchild of the whole thing. The mastermind, the brainchild, um, the leader he would say a lot you know stuff like that right well i mean the we started talking about this like last year i think you said a year ago we started talking and i had mentioned wanting to do this podcast like way back then before i even started it 
And um, one of the things that you really wanted to mention was how he had mental health struggles. And it- had a lot, yeah. Um, so the story with nature, how it ended is, um, it was 2019. I'll never forget the day because it was kind of like my 9-11 you know, you always, you know, the whole thing where it's like, you always remember like 9-11 and shit, you know, where you were, you know, what you were doing. Yeah. Um, Recently now it's the Capitol riots, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, but I was at work. I was, I was working at Walmart and I got the text from their current bass player at the time, Greg, um, mind you, all of us are good friends. All of us keep in contact, um, actually to, should kind of lead into this whole thing um i actually have a new i just got this tattoo like almost two weeks ago it's dedicated to nature and my time in tanger calvary all those guys it's very much dedicated to him and the band because i got that message that nature committed suicide living in texas and that was really when i really thought about the mental health aspect because you know a lot happened a lot happened in that time frame of knowing him and I'm not going to get too much into the negative aspect but he had a lot of baggage and a lot of mental health um something that has come up a couple times when talking about the Chinese in general is that their government is very it's a very harsh government like very I don't, I want to say communist. Is that the right word? Uh, yeah. The very, it's a very hard government. You know, it's very, we Americans like to talk about, you know, the gears and the shifting of like, you know, what the American man should do where we're just working our lives away. But the Chinese government, they really, they're worse. They're 10 times worse. And I don't mean this to be racist or anything. Yeah, um, no, just, I'm sure people... This is just, you know, my general knowledge of understanding him and understanding the politics that he has told me about. Mm -hmm. But they are very, they are very strict about how they want. Oh man, you're smoking a bowl, you lucky. Sorry. It's all good. It's all good. You were saying? I don't know if that's going to be edited out. Anyway, um, going back to the Chinese um, government, you know, they're a very, they're very strict and they definitely want you to be this mold. They want you to be this person. They want, it's basically like, again, we talk about the American society. It's 10 times worse in uh, China. Right. And there's a lot of things that nature was that didn't fight the criteria. He wanted to be a musician, you know, Chinese look down on musicians. You know, they didn't, they look down, maybe not so much musicians. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. They, don't look at heavy metal as a positive thing. Um, ironically, though, when Tanger blew up, they, the Who came around, and they are a band from China as well. Yeah. But that's, you know, they don't look at, if you're, like, different from what they want you to be, it's kind of, like, even, like, it goes as far as, like, you know, being gay or, you know, having depression, you know. They don't want you to be like that. They don't think that's normal and they don't think that like fits a mold and nature was a lot of these things. He's had a lot of problems and probably school. Um, He had a lot of problems 
dealing with that government and dealing with those type of people. It's a main reason why he moved down to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure Tenger in China was just starting to really get a name for itself. And, you know, there was a lot of backlash from that. I'm, I'm sure that's the main story or that's how I would think to pres- um, remember it. I'm just going by a lot of the things that I remember that we talked about and just kind of my experiences as, as a whole. Mm-hmm. So nature had a very like rough, I want to say he had a very rough um, upbringing. Um, he came to America to, you know, like a lot of people that have immigrated to America before us or before him or et cetera, you know, to get a better life, you know, have freedom. He moved to New York mm-hmm. and then he made, he found American musicians and that's where he started the idea of, making the Mongolian metal, you know, kind of more playable, not so much towards a metal audience, but to a mainstream audience. Right. Um, that's what got them to Carnegie Hall. And he was starting to get a lot of success. Um, before, after Carnegie Hall, that's when I joined. I played at Joe's Pub, my first gig. And that's a pretty big spot in New York. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very nice spot. When I went there, I was like, holy crap, I'm a little, I'm a little underdressed for these kind of things. I'm in a band, I'm in like a band t-shirt, shorts, and I'm just here. And then it's like this fancy place. And I'm like, oh, this is a little weird. This is a little weird. I mean, we're used to like smelling like coming out of a venue smelling like beer or goat's blood if you're going to a Watane show. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, it's a very interesting strategy that he had, and it worked. It very much works. Um, we got a lot of mainstream success. We were shared on Snapchat. We were we were a little bit all over the place. We were on a few uh, mainstream articles at certain times. It was it was a good ride, and obviously the success came from you know once that came out, you know we toured. There were a lot of people that supported us. And bought our merch and they generally some of the nicest pe- some really nice people i've made lifelong bonds because of those tours it was living almost like a dream that uh, like not to even i think we were all living a dream you know alex the bass player at the time was in his 40s and he was touring like a 20 year old and it's just wild that whole ride you know that nature really was becoming his own but we also learn through a lot of musicians, you know, the dark side of being in the music business. And there's a lot of things that happened that really destroyed him, even in America, that really, you know, affected his already damaged brain. Um, he did drink a lot too, I should add that. And that probably might be a somewhat of a factor, but going in back to nature for a bit, he um he was just you know as more time went on you know he it really his head you know his head was changing and not for entirely a positive aspect and it really didn't hit me how bad he was and how he's gotten till the suicide and looking back at it you know i really wish i could have said more to him um, you know, there, there was a time where he pushed me away and I would not talk to him. And it's made me realize, you know, hey, sometimes you really should just let go of the grudge at times when someone is really 
in that dark place. We, we don't understand it almost sometimes. Um, I've been better about reaching out to my friends as well. You know, I try to make sure, tell them like, hey, I'm not suicidal, but I'm definitely depressed. You know, I try to make, have people know, yeah, you know, this is where I am. You know, I'm okay, but I'm not okay. And it's kind of with everybody. I do that with everybody now, ever since that whole thing happened. Um, nature was really, he was really sick. And I, I really, one of the biggest regrets of my life is, you know, not reaching out to him during a lot of that time. And granted, it was hard to, I, and it was hard to at that time. And it's just, it's heartbreaking what happened to him. Um, he was really young. He was, I would say 29, 30. Yeah. He was really young. He was really young. Um, yeah, that's younger than me. He was, yeah, I'm, I'm now at the age I met him at, and it's wild to think about it. Um, he was a very gifted person. He was very gifted, musically talented. He had a really smart brain for the business. It's, it's a shame what the music business can do. Um, I, I feel that a lot of his depression after the tours you know when people were just kind of moving on because everyone kind of does it they find like a band and then they get obsessed with it for a while like it's the big thing and then they go to something else and it happens with a lot of bands um and then i think you know obviously egos come into play too and that can come into the dark side of the business as well and then there's also you know people involved in the music business who just want to suck you up dry because you're making them money. Right. Tenger was making money at the time. And I'm very much aware that he was taken advantage of, you know, I, I used to make fun of the whole Kurt Cobain thing. And then when I met nature and realized the situation he was in, it kind of was similar. Why do you feel he was getting taken advantage of? Um, well, I found out after his death, I probably found this out last year. Um, there is a guy that has been kind of going around for a little bit now. You might have heard the name. The name is John Finberg. And this is a guy that who has become notorious for taking advantage of women, taking advantage of underage women, um, taking advantage of fans and sending very hurtful messages if he doesn't get what he wants you know the list goes on he recently had was exposed um on metal injection metal sucks um he was he was the manager or the booking agent for nightwish iced earth oh okay um he the he also had a site i'm trying to remember it off the top of my head i i bought tickets from the site and into the pit it was into the pit tickets or something like that. And he was running that. He was booking tours for Warbringer. Um, there's, there's a lot of bands that come in mind. Overkill. Overkill as well. There, there's a lot. Okay. Um, so he's he worked was, with some pretty big names. He's worked with pretty big names. And he's, you know, he was a person that was the wrong, he was the wrong type of person, but he was in the right place at the right time and took advantage of the right bands. Right. Mind you, when other bands were trying to get to him because he was a name, um, he was just 
certain bands he was such an asshole to and he demanded certain things um again going back to the underage women thing he was trying to hook up with women he like um i'm trying to think of the word give me a minute Mm -hmm. he harassed bands for like favors and shit the list goes on and on he was recently exposed but the what i learned that has a lot that probably has a lot to do with the suicide as a whole too was that he also harassed nature um he said some very hurtful things he said some very disgusting things to him and again with his mind the way it was it put him in overdrive he was afraid of what john would do because of how big he was in the business Hmm. and that was another thing that and again i look back at it and i think about Kurt cobain how he was probably used because of what he was marketed for right so there's a lot of things that come into play when it comes to nature suicide which could be personal issues um people that have messed with him and screwed him over it, you know it's the dark side of the business not a lot of people will talk about it but going mm-hmm. into the aspect of mental health you know that's what happened to nature and he's he's gone through a lot and he just couldn't he didn't feel like he was he felt like he didn't have anybody you know he he was looking for a girlfriend too and that can always come into play too and stuff like that you know we we live in a rough time and he really didn't feel like anyone was there for him yet he had a lot of support from a lot of people um I never stopped loving him throughout it all because I always thought about him, even with how I felt personally towards him during that time. It was just, I was upset. It was just a matter of just being upset at what happened. You know, I always cared and I always will care. And right. Did you guys get into like a, a disagreement about the music? We've gotten, in, we've gotten into a few. Um, I'm not going to get too much into that. That's okay. in the past. Um, that a lot of that is in the past, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't like to go back and talk about things like that. Granted, I have my way of handling it. You know, I try to remember what happened, and I'm not. You know, it's not like I'm going to condemn it, but at the same time, it's at the point where it's like I can't really feel anger for it. I can't really feel anything towards that because at the end of the day, I think he was just more sick than me. Right. And I have to remember that confronting a lot of different problems with a lot of other people. Um, There are people that are less fortunate and they are in less caring situations. And, you know, it really can get to people, especially during a pandemic when you can really feel your loneliness. Yeah. You feel very lonely during this whole pandemic. You know, you're sheltered for god knows how long you know nearly a year now and you can't you know most of the time can't even see your friends you can't go to a show you don't have a release you're just you choose to stay indoors or you work right to you know have a living and it's really unfortunate that the way america handled it is the way it did and it's it's hard it's, it's a very hard feeling, you know, there can be times where I enjoy being alone. There are times where I really want to be out and just enjoy the life. 
but you know, going back to mental health with anybody that's feeling alone, you know, that's, it's really hard right now. You know, I, I do my best to message my friends and be like, Hey, I'm here. You know, you're not entirely alone. Yeah. Well, that's a big part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast actually is because I feel like right now is we're just going through a really monumental moment in history where everyone's feeling so disconnected. And I kind of just wanted to provide a platform for people to connect again and be able to tell each other, like you're saying, like, Hey, I'm, I'm going through this fucking struggle too. I am also feeling very isolated and lonely and it's not just you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So hopefully that'll, that'll give some sort of sense of camaraderie to everybody. It's amazing. Listening, you, know? you know, you just said it the best disconnected. We, I think this whole year has disconnected us from our roots um, and that's with a lot of people, you know, it doesn't have to just go by the music industry. It's kind of like everything because there's so much stress going around throughout this entire pandemic. And it can be from a lot of things. It could be wanting things back to be normal. It could be the constant political drama we deal with, especially before January and so forth there's political drama all the time mm -hmm. i really should say both sides of the coin um there there's so much you know we're very disconnected right now we're arguing with our loved ones over things and people that don't matter and we are more or less we are very much more dividing that line more and more every day and it's very rough Right. Um, it's very rough for people to be sympathetic. It's very rough for people to understand. Heck, even I've argued with people that I thought were longtime friends because of differences. And mind you, there are times where it's like, okay, you know what? If that person really has that mindset, you know, they can basically F off. But, and there are also people that really do need to like, grow up and actually not think the way they are thinking and there there's some really messed out views messed up views out there but at the same time there are people that i think no matter what side of the coin you're on there are good people um there are very good people on the right and the left well eh, you know again that's debate some people will say it's debatable but there are people that i've met that you know, there are things that we believe in the same thing. And like, for us, example, we, we talk because of music. Um, we're both really into the same type of music. And before this pandemic, you know, that's what we were all like, we were this one big community of musicians and fans, and we would connect, you know, by music, maybe by video games, by anything like that. You know, I think a friend of mine said at the best music is like our savior in many ways, because it connects people. It's one of the very it's one of the last things that really can connect people and connect individuals and so forth. And we have that taken away from us. Like there's no live shows, there's no like influence, hell, like cities like New York and Los Angeles that are usually thriving and shit like that. Just it's nowhere. It's yeah. Like nowhere. And it's very criminal to feel that way, but we're all feeling it. And we are all, we're all feeling this disconnection from life as a whole. And it is very depressing and it's hard. And again, with the loneliness, sometimes you don't think people are there for you. 
Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Um, I'm actually surprised by the amount of support that I've received when I am actually open about stuff on social media now. Like, I feel like back in the day, people weren't as supportive. They were just kind of like, oh, we don't want to see your fucking drama or whatever. But right now, like, I, I mean, I've seen that very often. A lot of people are being a lot more open about, you know, how they're struggling through this fucking pandemic precisely because we can't connect at shows and you can't hang out with your buddies. And so what do you have left? You have social media. So it can actually be a powerful tool to reconnect again, hence, you know, the purpose of this podcast, which I feel is incredibly important. Um, do you want to talk about how nature's um, suicide affected you? Because I know I it, can it affected 1000% you go on to that. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, when that whole thing first happened, holy crap, man, what a roller coaster of emotions I felt. I think I felt every single emotion I could possibly feel during that entire period. Um, I felt anger. I felt sadness. I felt um, clarity because there was a lot of things that, you know, finally started to make sense. There was some clarity in all of it. Um, There was closure. There was a lot. Um, There was a lot of emotions I was feeling throughout that entire time. And it has made... All of the bad mates, 1000% closer. We have a bond that we literally cannot break from anymore. Um, you know, again, the tattoo that I just got on my arm is kind of what that is, is this bond that I will never break from. I will never break from that family of people because of how much of an influence they were in my life. And nature was someone who brought us all together, you know, a bunch of people that are into different styles. I mean, um, are the one tube player, Robert, you know, we talk so and so often and he's not a metalhead, but he, well, he, he wouldn't, he would have joined the band, but he, you know, he isn't like a deep metalhead. He's more into the folk side and like, he's such a talented kid and he's such a really young, nice soul. And, you know, he brought us together with that kind of shit. There's Alex who literally is one of the funniest Russians I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> He's a fucking hilarious human being. Um, and just overall, he has a very great, he has a very like knowledgeable brain. And we've had so many adventures together ourselves because we're both stoners and he's almost burnt my fucking eyebrow off. It was hilarious when that day happened. I've done that. <laughs> that was that was actually the year anniversary of nature dying. He almost did that. We all got together for food and he nearly burnt my eye. <laughs> and, I'm sure, I'm sure all is forgiven. Oh yeah, no, I was laughing when it happened. I was like, holy shit, dude. Um, but when the whole thing happened, you know, it, it made me there. It, and it was during a time when I was really, really angry because I was getting over a breakup and I was feeling a really dark hole in my heart. I was really angry and I've been angry for a very long time in my life. And when that happened, it was just like, why am I angry? Like there are people that are, there are people like him and there are a lot more people, you know, that are really hurting and, you know, the people that bully you the most, they go through it the worst. And I I realized that some of the, I've learned a lot. I tried to take the whole thing as a huge lesson as a source for me, myself to move forward and to help others that are struggling 
because we are we're all human beings you know we all the band as a whole believe we were all human beings you know regardless of race color um sexuality you know we we all deal with the same thing you brought up that you know a lot of people on social media these days are being more communicative when we're talking, you know, we're talking about our problems and our depression. And I actually agree with you. A lot of people reached out to me, you know, because we're all feeling a very, we're all feeling the same thing right now. Yeah. Um, It's really nice for people to be considerate about this whole thing. Granted, there is a lot of inconsiderate things too during this pandemic, but we're not here to talk about that. Um, but when it comes to the whole nature suit, when, when it came to nature, after that whole thing, it was like, I dropped a lot of my anger for one, I dropped a lot of my bitterness. Um, I really wanted to understand mental health more, not for just myself, but for other people. Yeah. It was something that made me want to like pay attention more to things like that. Um, me personally, you know, I think about them every day. Um, it's not like I don't think about them all the time. Um, I wonder how he would be handling now, you know, with everything going on, what he would be doing. Right. Because you know, it's a rough time. You know, I kind of wish he was here. Yeah. I wish he was here during through all of this. It's, it's rough. And, you know, we all miss him. We all miss him greatly. And we all definitely want John Finberg to burn. I was <laughs> <laughs> bringing up that story, but. And when we, you know, we, it broke our hearts when we learned that story too. And it's great that people called him out that, you know, calling out an abuser and stuff like that. There are people that are really, really trying to call out their abusers right now and past experiences like that. It's good. People are doing that. You know, it can work both ways though. I know cancel culture can be weird because look at the whole Dr. Seuss drama, right? which I still don't even completely understand, but you know, when it comes to the right people, you know, they, people do genuinely care and they want to call out these kind of people. And I hope more people in the music industry call out these types of people that will just take advantage of people like that. Um, I think that's very important. And we're now in a point in time where I don't think it should be tolerated anymore. Um, yeah, 100% agree. Um, we're you know, something we talked about beforehand is like, you know, we were going through this great awakening and we are all trying to learn better from this entire experience to not duplicate it again. Right. And I think there has been a lot of things that have been opened up about the music business, our personal lives, the world in general, and not to take things for granted. I've had a massive history of personal Um, I have personal baggage of taking things for granted and I beat myself up for that because I have done that in the past and I am really trying my best to not do that myself. Um, I think as a whole, like, you know, something like that can teach us to not take things and people for granted. You know, we're not all, we're not all machines. We're not all, you know, robots with gears, you know, right. We, we all have emotions and this whole um, experience with life has, you know, questioned the whole, why do we feel emotions? Why do we feel, what is our purpose in life? And 
we argue with the fact that it's to continue a operating machine. But for a lot of us, you know, we want to experience our own life and our own dreams. We want to do our own thing and step away from what we're just being told to do. Right. As opposed to like, you know, something we want to do with our lives. Yeah, of course. Everybody wants to live passionately. And um, if they don't, I mean, that's a big reason why people are depressed is because they're going to these boring nine to five fucking jobs that they're not passionate about and just their heart's totally not in it. And they, by the time they get home, they're fucking tired. They don't work on their hobbies. You know, um, it's really hard to fall into that routine. Like I just, if it wasn't for this, I'd probably still be stuck in it. You know what I mean? Like it's, I get it. You're just another fucking brick in the wall as Pink Floyd said. And it's, it's, it feels really overbearing sometimes. And like, you can't escape the capitalist fucking machine. You know what I mean? But I mean, if you just, I think if you just work on your goals every day, even if it's just for like an hour, you know, um, eventually you will see progress. And I think it's totally possible for everybody to live the life that they want to live. They just have to believe in themselves and they have to, they have to keep going. They have to keep trying. And that's like what I'm doing right now, personally. And, um, I just, I set out like a list of goals for myself last year. And I mean, as you can see, I've achieved some of those now. So I've already proven to myself that I can attain the things that I want and have the life that I want, regardless of the situation right now, even though it's really difficult, we just have to, um, do the best with, you know, the hand that we're given. Something I actually want to add to that. Um, when this whole thing began, you know, we talked and all that. And when this whole thing began, it was like, what the fuck is the light of the end of the tunnel? Like, where is it going to end? Like, who? Right now, you know, back then, I, I know I want people to hear this part because I don't think I'm alone with this, but there was no, there was no emotion. There was no motivation. There was like, you were just stuck. And it gets to so it got to so many people, including myself. I couldn't even go to the gym. You know, gyms were closed yeah. till September for me. And I was hella depressed about stuff like that. Um, I want people to know that, you know, the past year, you know, don't be too hard on yourself if you didn't entirely get to where you wanted to be, because you're not the only one. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, my mom got into a car accident, you know, in April. And a lot of my emotion at that time was also towards my mother because she nearly got killed. So there are always going to be things that will make you learn different lessons throughout a rough period of time. I think it's interesting that in the roughest periods of our time, we learn the most about ourselves and we learn more and more and we adapt more like there's this saying and i know you're in your 30s and you're gonna love what i'm about to say i'm sorry to everyone because that i'm bringing up a woman's age <laughs> but um there's that always common saying that you know your best years of your life are in your 20s and i don't believe that one bit anymore because after this whole year you know we literally all felt like a 50 year old like in like a wheelchair in a way. I'm not going to say that's comparable, but like we were, we all felt old in some shape or form. We were all somewhat out of shape. We were somewhat not healthy. <laughs> there, there's a lot to say about that. And 
what's happening with life now is I am, I think we are beginning to see some form of a light of the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, there are vaccines being distributed by multiple, you know, companies. I mean, back in January or December, I want to say the goal to have all vaccines for every American was going to be by August. Right. And then recently at the end of February, it got it got bumped or I want to say the beginning of March was it might have been the beginning of March. Um, you know, it got bumped to May. Um, we are very much at a light of the end tunnel. And I am seeing a lot of people finally start waking up again and being like, all right, what am I going to do for this year? Because this is the last year I it feels finally that this is the last of it. Yeah. God, you I really so. want to start planning for what's going to happen after. Um, we're going to fuck shit up. Woo-hoo. We're going to party. I'm going to party oh. so fucking hard, dude. I, I could. <laughs> I was just talking so to my fucked up at shows. I'm going to punch people in the back of the head and say, sorry, and just keep going. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, it's actually funny that you say that because in New Jersey, this is another thing that's actually gotten me a little more motivated finally. Um, in New Jersey, we have everything open to 35%, including venues. Okay. And as long as things start going, don't go the other way. I know the media is saying a lot of different things and it is very disheartening. Um, as long as we don't stray too much that way, you know, we're really starting to get to a point where life is going to be back to normal soon. God, I hope so. And I'm hoping we're on that path because I feel there has been a lot more motivation to finally move forward again. Um, I think just right now in this period of time is that it's hitting us all that it's been a year. Yeah. You know, and a year looking back at it, you know, looking back at probably one of the worst years of our, all of our lives, it's like, holy shit, how did I live this long? And we made it, you know, to people that have made it, you know, give yourself a pat on the back, round of applause, drink a beer, have a a blunt. Yes. It's going to suck to think about, but think of it this way. You survived one of the worst years of your life. Yeah. And you are, either you can feel more stronger about that or you can feel bitter about that. Granted, I don't want people to feel bitter about it, but I'm not in, you know, I'm not everybody else. Right. But you, you make some really good points. And I really want to add that, you know, a year ago, I wasn't as positive because of what was going on. There was no end of the, the light of the end of the tunnel in sight whatsoever. You know, September, I just started going back to the gym regularly. And then I started getting tattooed and, you know, I started doing my hobbies slowly by slowly. Now I'm really at a point where I really want to get shit done and I'm almost restless. And yeah, again, yeah. I go back to like the roughest periods of our time is the, po- is the moments where we really begin to start building ourselves and to start growing. And I, I can't see why people can do that past their thirties. I don't think 20s is as your prime years as people think because most people in their 30s don't get it either. Yeah. Well, the funny thing about that is everyone expects you to have your shit together by the time you're 30. You're supposed to have like a home and a, you know, couple cars and a family. And it's like, 
bitch, you're still a kid until you're like 25. You know what I mean? Like in your early twenties, you're still a fucking dipshit. So for people to think that you're supposed to like make it by the time you're 30, it's like, you're literally just fucking beginning to be a real adult, you know? So I, I, also I, wanna, I agree with that. I definitely also want to add too, and this is not entirely our fault, but also to um, kind of look at the education system in American schools. We're not learning half the shit we should learn like tell me about it a good example of this is money and we do not know how to control money because we don't learn the power of money and that is a huge thing that i've it's something that kind of came into my attention last year and you know one thing about billionaires and one thing that really tends to really get on our nerves is how rich people can be and how snobby they can be but they got the resources somehow to learn how to be rich and to learn how to save and most americans don't know how to do that because we're not taught that right same with like balancing a checkbook same with like you know all sorts of different things it the list goes on college another example you know there's College can be a scam for a lot of people because you'll be in fucking debt for the rest of your life. And, you know, most people want to rush to get into college. And I don't believe you should do that until you know what you want to do. Hell, it's better to get a trade than go to college for most people. Yeah, people I would don't, agree with that. But it's like shoved down our brains so much to go to college, like really early that you don't think about it. They right. really want to like make you mold into be the, the American machine whether it be doing that, whether it be going to the army, like, et cetera, you know, they want you to pay your dues their way, not your own pace. And it's very disheartening and it very much affects the mental psyche of a lot of people. Yeah, I definitely agree with everything you just said, 100%. It's something it's that I've, I've studied. It's something that I realized when I was in high school because let's be real, I was just a weird long-haired kid, you know, that didn't really follow the criteria of most people. I wasn't a jock. Um, I was I was never a jock or anything like that. So I was, you know, a misfit in school. And that's where it kind of came. It kind of, that's where it kind of comes from. You know, you didn't learn any of that shit. I just wanted to get the fuck out of school. Word. I just wanted to get out of high school. And I, I really wish you know, teachers would have taught us things that really actually mattered instead of like calculus or some shit or algebra or I don't know. I, I feel like we're more disconnected with history. We're disconnected with science. Let's be real on that one. Um, there's more important things than certain things they teach us in high school that oh, they absolutely. are not teaching us. Absolutely. And they push a lot more for the paycheck, the money. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all about the money for those teachers and not a mu much about like teaching people the right thing. Yeah, they want, they just want us to be exact molds of each other so that we can go ahead and make money for the fucking 1%, you know what I mean? And yeah, the 1% that's rich. That's rich. Yeah. And they, they don't want us to be independent. They don't want us to be, you know, our own business owners. And uh, there's a big, you know, um, conspiracy going on right now that a lot of the co the way the COVID has been handled is to obliterate the middle class so that there can only be, you know, lower class and upper class. And I don't know what you really think about that. I'm not a big fan of talking about politics, but I, I just, I agree with what you said. 
that's that is something I have heard before. You know that it feels that way too. And again, I don't want to go into political discussion. That's not necessary for this kind of thing. But that's definitely something that has been on my mind for a bit. I mean, I mean, look at you know once Trump was out of office, things got better. You know, so. There's that to think about, but I'm not going to get into that whole discussion. That can be edited out for all I care, really. It's just a matter of like, it's just a matter of like, I do understand that conspiracy theory. I do understand that a lot. It kind of does feel like that. Um, But I, myself, you know, and everybody else, if you do have a job, my advice is to save up. It's definitely one of those things where like, you know what, save your money for what you want to do and invest in yourself. Um, I've really been contemplating on what I want to do with the money I've been saving. Um, What is it that you want to do? Well, obviously travel, of course, but I really want to invest in my music. Um, I really want to invest in music more. I want to get better parts. I want to, I was thinking about getting another electronic kit so I can record from home. I'm just, I'm thinking of ideas right now to like support myself but also be able to go to this, you know, 12 to five job and just be comfortable with that because I'm not going to lie. I do. I do not mind the job I'm working, you know, at this given moment in time, I don't mind it. You know, I have nice bosses. My coworkers are chill. Um, I have hours to do things like this and all the other hobbies in my life right now. Yeah. That's a pretty sweet schedule. A job, you know, this kind of job, granted, I kind of do wish I was making more money. And I feel if I wasn't in the situation that I'm in now, I would be looking for a job that would probably take more time. But right now this is good for me. And this is definitely opening my brain a lot more to thinking about what I want to do the next few years. Granted, I do want to go to Norway. I want to go to Germany, like I was supposed to last year and all the other sorts of things. But if another year of not traveling to the other side of the country, you know, there, there's a lot of things I can invest myself in. Right. Um, personally, I've been getting more tattoos, which is, you know, a, a way to spend my money too. That's another independent, like, you know, that's another independent business, like tattooing, like support shit like that. Don't support like your Walmart or your Target. Like that can fuck, like, with all the rioting and all the shit that's been going on, that can all burn. <laughs> we don't I mean, need, they'll, they'll be fine regardless they'll be fine like yeah. i don't like i don't think people realize like if a target and a walmart burn that's actually not the worst thing in the world yeah i definitely say you should support your local artists i've actually been wanting to uh get a like a black work sleeve going and i'm not sure what i want to do yet i think i want to do like a. I know i want i want it to be black metal theme so i was thinking of doing like a portrait of dead and a portrait of Korthon but I'm not sure yet. Cause I kind of want to do like a, like a white wolf or goat. I don't know, but it's going to be just cool. bring up how much they made like dead into like the, the like most adorable, like little puppy in the movie. Because he was an adorable little puppy. He was a very, a, like, even in his real life photos, he was very like a lost dog kind of kid. And I was just like, oh, he's, he's so cute. He's like, I just want to pinch his cheeks. He's so like adorable. You know, I actually was disappointed that they chose, I think Val Kilmer's son did an okay job of playing him. Yeah. But Dad was like fucking gorgeous, dude. He was, he was so handsome. And like, they chose this like little 
pumpkin patch looking motherfucker to like play him and then the wig was just so obviously fake i'm like yeah. really jonas like you couldn't have a better budget for his fucking hair like i don't know i have, well, I have a lot of gripe puppy. with that movie no yeah. trust me there's good things and there's bad things i do point out that a lot of that is very inaccurate including oh yeah his girlfriend yeah yeah and then i, I just even though i'm not a fan well i don't know we could get in, into a whole different conversation about Varg and Burzum, but um, yeah, well. I just, I hate it what they did with his character. Like he just, he was, first of all, he was also very handsome. And in the movie, he, like, he was not fat. He was skinny as fuck. He, he was, was gorgeous. And he was very intelligent and charismatic. And th those are all things that fucking Jonas Akerlund took away from the fucking film, which I understand, you know, they probably had beef or whatever, but like nobody wanted him to make that movie, dude. Nobody, like, <laughs> you know. So. Oh well, yeah, it was going to shit on black metal regardless. Yeah. It, obviously, it was gonna yeah. shit on the weaker parts of black metal, and you know, it it does cater to things like, oh yeah, well that's how a lot of black metal kids act now. I don't know. And why why did they all sound American? They're fucking Norwegian oh, well, as fuck. Their story. accents were like totally wrong. That's you know? a different story. Oh my god! It's, yeah, it's just they got so. But many when you bring up the American aspect, that's why they had like you know hookers in the movie and like you yeah, know, like no, they didn't like, who get was laid. fucking rupees in the black metal like nineteen eighties. <laughs> this shit. was some Dungeons and Dragons playing motherfuckers. It's like the the unsexiest thing that will guarantee you will stay a virgin. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I was just kind of like, wait a minute, they were not fucking that many chicks. Yeah, Bar was not getting oh, hell laid. No, no, there was no. Eronimus didn't have a girlfriend. Eronimus yeah. didn't cut his hair. Uh, yeah, what the fuck was up with the haircut? Eronimus was, was honestly a more fucked up douchebag than he was in the movie. Like they yeah. were trying to make him sympathetic and shit. I was yeah, like, oh, no. hell no. He was a little because he yeah. Yeah, Kind of. I, well, okay, no. He didn't deserve it, but he he pissed off a lot of people. He pissed yeah. off a lot of fucking people. He didn't pay back a lot of people. He yeah, Varg. People. They, they... Varg specifically, yeah. But I mean, he wasn't the only one, and yeah, it's just I just I I hated it. I can I can watch it now if I try to look at it as just a random, you know, a randomly scripted film, and not be a purist and think about like the actual history behind it. I guess I can enjoy it. I definitely look at the actual history behind it, but I also look at how like goofy it is. And I'm just like, okay, that's not right. That's inaccurate. That never fucking happened. Yeah. Like I can definitely compare it. There's, there's another black metal film. I really want to watch. It's like when the light takes us. Until the light takes us. Yes. The documentary. I, I want to watch that. You haven't so seen I, that. Everybody's I've never seen, seen that. it. Oh, well, a lot, most people have seen it. It's, it's pretty good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, like, I want to watch that and then compare, like, the stuff from, you know, We Learn in Lords of Chaos, and, man, they also really had a really young actor for Faust, now that I'm thinking about it. It's really interesting to see, like, obituary and, um, obituary, um, circle of, not, sir, what's the fucking second album called? I'm drawing a massive god. Cause of Death. I'm seeing Cause of Death at shows that were in the 1980s and cause of death came out in 1990 yeah so same mm -hmm. thing with blasphemy i saw emperor shirts in there when Nightside came out in like 94 yeah it was really funny to see shit like that there was definitely a lot of inaccuracies and shit like that but yeah it's an american movie so what can i say 
yeah i'm sure they just wanted to promo those bands because they're more of the well-known bands you know what i mean yeah. everyone everybody knows who obituary is especially over here in america because they're from america they're i was also fucking mad this is just a nitpick for me but they weren't playing the right um in the sign when it came to sodom because there was a moment where var picked out um in the sign of evil mm-hmm. you know the first sodom ep but they don't play that particular recording they play the um the one on persecution yeah i don't know maybe he didn't have the the rights to that song i know a lot of the music was was hard to obtain because nobody wanted him to fucking use it like like nobody wanted him to make this film and he did it anyway because money i'm sure well yeah there was money to be made but that was the it's the most commercial black metal we'll ever get oh god let's hope so anybody else tries it let's let's all curb stomp them cough cough dev heaven cough cough (sighs) gross so um is there any advice you could give to people um who are probably dealing with the loss of a loved one through so this is actually something that was brought up to me by my friend who's going through a lot of different who's going through a lot of issues um the thing that gets talked about a lot recently when it comes to mental health is that dealing with a loss one isn't the only like feeling of depression that people can go through. I want to make that very apparent because that's a critique me and my friend were talking about the other day. Um, Yes, I do feel, you know, the loss of someone can be very depressing and it is one of it is one of the factors of depression but there are many other aspects of depression that i don't think a lot of people will talk about granted i will go to back to um i will go back to loss because you know the reason we're doing this is because i felt i have lost somebody in that regard but i i do want to bring up that there are people that have abusive families. Um, my one friend, you know, her parents don't even love her. Like, you know, there are people that feel like their parents make them feel like mistakes because there was like a knockup or something. Yeah, of course. I uh, mean, there's several reasons why people could be depressed. I'm asking you specifically for advice on that situation because that's what you went through. Um, it goes by day by day. Um, you learn in many ways, in my opinion, that we, you know, it, it gets better with time. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it does. I mean, if you look at it this way, nature isn't suffering anymore. You know, he's not fighting with his brain and he's not fighting with, you know, those thoughts anymore. Those thoughts can really like really get in your head Yeah, you know, when you're, when you feel like you're alone, you feel like you don't have anybody. Although I would say, no, I I don't know his family history. I don't want to say things like that. But when you're dealing with loss, you want to, unless if this person really did something bad, like there's one guy that I know that if he died, I'd be like, all right, I'm not going to fucking get a tattoo of him or whatever. Um, nature was a different case because there are a lot of things he did in my life that were extremely positive. And he 
gave me an opportunity to like live like a dream of mine in a way. He gave me an opportunity to finally understand what it's like to tour and like to be a person in a serious band. You know, not a lot of people are going to get that. That's a very rare thing. Um, Unless if you find the right people and you work your ass off, which I'm willing to do now with the right people, but with nature, you know, he chose me. And, you know, when it comes to thinking about how to go through the experience, I mean, there's many different things people can do for that. When my grandmom died, my mom, you know, she took up a lot of her hobbies. She tried to learn the other aspects of my mom and kind of put, you know, have my grandmom's heart in my mom. You know, they live inside us. They live inside our memories, our brains. Um, When I got this tattoo, I knew this is my most visible tattoo, no matter where I go now. I mean, Obviously, if I wear a sleeveless, you'll see my other tattoos. And if I take off my shirt, you see a giant fucking like uh, Lovecraftian demon now. But, you know, people are going to automatically see this no matter what shirt I wear, unless if I'm wearing a long sleeve. So obviously people are the first thing people are going to say is like, oh, my God, that's a sick design. And then I get to tell the story of nature and I get to keep his memory alive and commemorate him like that. And I think that's very important for the healing progress is to remind myself he was alive. He was a person. He was, he had an identity, you know, in a world full of, you know, your Brad and your Karens, he was his own person. (laughs) And I think it's very important to remind myself, remind others, you know, that he existed and, you know, the things that he did for people. Um, granted you know there is the negative too that when it comes to things that he did negatively I take it to my own self and to learn from those experiences as well you know a negative thing can also be a lesson it can also be something that you can learn from and to teach yourself so every experience negative and positive it's all it's in here you know I one thing that I do to you know, go through those motions is to, you know, remember it to make sure it's still alive here. Um, When it comes to things, you know, that I learned, like the whole thing with John Finberg, I, um, you know, those hurt the most because people, you don't want to fucking email somebody to tell them to kill themselves and to give up your fucking dream. Like that would make you go fucking mad from someone like him. And I know that affected him the way it did. And, you know, you got to also keep in mind of the people that hurt him. They hurt me and us, you know, the people that love him and mourn for him every day. Yeah. You know, it does. It also doesn't get really, it doesn't get easy, but it also like you learn, you take death as a lesson. Um, I feel when my mom's time comes, I have to learn a lot from my mother because she was a very strong woman and she's a very stubborn lady. I mean, she wants to work still, even though she broke her foot. Mm -hmm. I I have to learn from that too. You know, you got to keep the people that you love right here. 
and not take things for granted. You know, you never know when their time's going to come. Right. So would you say that the, the biggest advice you could give is to not take people you love for granted then? I would, I would go by that. I would learn from the people you care about, you know, even if they have different views, you learn, you, you try to be open about certain things and you try to give love and compassion to others. You know, this is a time where it's hard to give love and compassion and this is where we need it more than ever. Tell me about it. This is a very rough time for almost any human being right now, unless if you're on a fucking yacht, (laughs) but you know, us normal people, it's like, we're just human too. We want, we need to feel validated and you need to associate yourself with people that understand that emotion. You know, not everyone's going to get it. Yeah. Not everyone's going to look at this interview and get the concept of mental health, the story I'm trying to tell, you know, not people are going to get it, but for the right people to hear this out and to listen, it's like, yeah, you're the people you associate with, whether they hurt you, whatever they do, they will affect you. They will affect your life no matter what. Hell, even the people you barely meet can affect you. Yeah. We're sensitive human beings. And we really do need to learn to be more compassionate and not be such, you know, to ourselves. It, it can, and it can be hard. I do it myself. I, I have, I do it myself too. But, you know, open up to people, open up to your loved ones, you know, the right people will be there for you no matter what you go through. Yeah, exactly. And when it comes to dealing with death, you know, I'm very fortunate that I have people like my close friends, you know, I still have the bandmates, you know, I have the fans that attended the shows, you know, I, I'm in contact with great people that have really pushed me to continue through a time like that and again I go back to mental health as a whole because you know there are so many there are so many other different aspects of mental health besides loss and a lot of it can be changed if you know the right people I have again I have a friend who you know she doesn't have her family because her family are you know, they're not love, you know, they're not what a family should be. You know, I was fortunate enough to have my mother. I have most of my family who majority of them are not conservative, conservative, which is really nice, but uh, some people don't have that. And sometimes depression comes from that. Some depression comes from not being good enough at something and the amount of pressure people can give. There's all sorts of forms of depression. I, I, I do hope when it comes to, you know, talks about mental health, they talk more into other factors of depression besides loss. I do want to make that very clear, but loss is also one of the most known um, factors in depression. I mean, look at WandaVision. I don't know if you've watched that. I'm not going to spoil anything for everybody else. That looks atrocious. I wouldn't waste my life on it, but go on. It's really good. I'm just saying. It's really, it's a really good story. And it does bring up the factor of loss a lot too. But, you know, look at, if anyone's watching this and has seen WandaVision, you know, that, that's something that comes into play too. You know, your loved ones make you your strongest and possibly your weakest. 
you just have to be, you know, you have to choose the right people. Right. I think um, there's a quote I've read. There's a quote that I've read somewhere that said to surround yourself with the five people you want to be most like. And um, that's basically what I'm going to try to do in the future when everything opens back up. Like I, I want to go to New York and I want to talk to like artists and um, maybe take a class with uh, some very reputable magicians so I can study the occult officially with someone, you know, and um, okay. uh, get involved with the tattooing or the modeling industry and just surround myself with creative. I want to, I want to make my own music finally. And, you know, maybe find people to collaborate with who knows but yeah I, I totally agree that you should um, be mindful of the people that you surround surround yourself with and don't be afraid to cut out to cut out people that are toxic you know what I mean even if it's family members sometimes yeah. you just you just have to take care of your own personal mental health and distance yourself from people who say that they love you but you know their actions may show otherwise you bring up um family and that's that's something that can be very hard for a lot of people is to cut out people that are your family, your relatives. Yeah. Um, that is very hard for a lot of people. And well, it's easier said than done. It's for sure. easier said than done. And I want people to understand that you're not alone on that. Yeah. A lot of people have abusive family members, you know, abusive dads, moms, aunts, etc. They can feel conservative. They cannot fit your aspect of life when they are younger, you know, when they're like in their teenage years, they're not going to understand it. But I am saying this for any age, any age possible, just cut that shit out of your life when you can. Like 1000% cut out those toxic family members. They are not worth it. Um, I actually, my birth father, my biological father left my life um, right before I was born. And it's not even like I really want to talk to him. You know, he already made his choice and that's something, you know, I am glad I did. I cut him out very early, even when he tried to contact me. Yeah. And there are, there are family members like that and it shoots for everybody. Not a lot of people have the strength to do it. Some people might not be able to do it or leave their house. Yeah. But there's, there has to be a point where you got to cut that out. Yeah. I mean, even if you're not able to leave your house right now because you're, you know, very young, just know that eventually you'll be able to be independent and move out and just, you know, find the strength within yourself to weather the storm. And if you're being like abused or something, you know, please reach out for help and contact like the authorities and, and let them know what's going on in your household. Like, don't don't put up with it because you deserve a lot better than that, you know. Um, something to note for a lot of people is that sometimes the authorities will not care. So always reach out to somebody that is close to you. Maybe they have like a hotline that you can call or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, just reach out is what I'm yes, trying to get at. That's exactly. No, I'm, I 1000% agree with you with the authorities, but I also want to point out that sometimes yeah. the authorities will not care. True. Yeah. All right. Um, is there anything that you want to plug? I mean, I don't know if you're working on any personal projects right now or in, um, in due time. Okay. I, I think this is the year I really want to, I, I keep saying that, but I'm really serious. I think this is the hungriest I've ever been. And it, it's time for me to really move forward. And I hope, I, I hope this is the year that it finally happens. I hope so too, man. 
looking forward to anything that you come out with. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you sharing your experience and, and being open about a lot of it. Now, do I thank you as Corpse Queen or do I thank you as Jade? Uh, Jade is fine. <laughs> thank you, Jade. <laughs> you are welcome, Josh.